For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I'm J.P. Hornstra of the Southern California News Group. They let me back for a second episode. Didn't even have to break into the studio. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It's been a week. Seven straight wins for the Dodgers. Almost eight. Last time, we discussed how the Dodgers were down to their last out, trying to avoid being swept at home. And they beat the Philadelphia Phillies in their final at bat. And I guess today, we can start with the Dodgers' last game. The Phillies were down to their last out, trying to avoid being swept at home. And they beat the Dodgers in their final at bat. Deja vu. Uh, Another error at second base kind of was the story of this game. Last time it was Gavin Lux. This time it was Max Muncy. Ironically... It happened in the same week when Dave Roberts said he wants to use Max Muncy much more as his regular third baseman and use Justin Turner as his DH so the two of them can get accustomed to those roles. And then Sunday, Muncy's at second base when he makes this pivotal error that costs the Dodgers the game on the final play. I watched that play five times at least and it was such a weird one because it's not as if Muncy didn't get square to the ball. It's not as if he didn't keep his body in front of it. The ball just took a higher hop at the last second and caught him by surprise, and he missed it. Bam, two runs, that's the game, that's the winning streak, see you in D.C. Just a tough way to go down. And of course, the Dodgers had a chance to put the Phillies away in the ninth inning. They didn't have Craig Kimbrell. Yancy Almonte's out there. He blew the save and we went to extra innings. And If I made my feelings about extra innings known on this podcast, um, not a fan. Not a fan of the extra innings rule. Like I dislike the zombie runner so much. I, I would truly, honestly, in my heart of hearts, prefer the game's end in ties. Uh, because at least that has been done before in baseball history. You can go back in the standings. You can find tie games throughout history, particularly in eras when all the games were played during the day and a game could get called because of darkness and just never made up. Uh, but this zombie runner thing, no, count me out. Not a fan. Best thing you can say about it is that it does what it was supposed to do. It makes the game shorter, but it's, it's, ah, oh, don't get me started. Not a fan. I asked Dave Roberts about that. 
whether he's a fan of the rule. And he said, he is a fan. And I think my response to him was, really? Just, I'm flat, I couldn't hold back. I was just like, really? Uh, but Dave likes it. Even though the Dodgers are not a very good extra inning team, they're, I believe, the worst in baseball. I have to double check that. Anyway, it cost them again on Sunday. I think the bigger question for Dave Roberts is not whether you like the extra innings rule and how do you finally figure out how to win a game in extra innings, but what do you do with Max Muncy? Uh, because he's been moved down in the batting order already. Max Muncy has not hit cleanup in more than a week. We saw him bat sixth a couple times this past week, mostly fifth. And the numbers, they're not getting much better. So Max Muncy had a slash line of 136, 313, 273 in April. In May, 179, 352, 286. And that little iota of improvement that Muncy has shown in each of the major stats, it's basically right in line with what we've seen league-wide. So league-wide, hitting has improved from April to May. I'll spare you the full triple slash because I always hate it when I get bogged down with numbers on a podcast, but the batting average is up from 231 to 242. OPS is up from 676 to 700 league-wide. That's basically the amount of improvement we've seen from Max Muncy in that time. So he's possibly the exact same hitter that he was in April. He's just hitting a livelier baseball, Um, whether that's the heat, whether that's a different batch of baseballs in in circulation, I don't know. But it's basically been the same Max Muncy, even though the stats have gotten a little bit better. What do you do with him? As a reporter, I tend to think questions are a little bit, actually a lot more valuable than answers. But in this case, I think the answer is pretty simple. I'm not going to come out here and advocate for benching guys, but in this case, you've literally got Edwin Rios right there. Now, Rios basically never plays against left-handed pitching. He's like Jock Peterson, except more consistent, about as much defensive upside. Edwin Rios is 0 for 5 against lefties this year, in case you're counting. Against righties? He is batting an even 300, five home runs in 40 at-bats. I'll let you guys do the math. That's a 50 home run season if you prorate it out. And that's with the dead in baseball. Um, that's a 935 OPS. If you set the minimum plate appearances to 48, which is what Edwin Rios has this season, he's a top 20 hitter in MLB right now. And that's if you include the 0 for 5 against left-handed pitching. Oh, and by the way, uh, Edwin Rios, he can play third base a little bit, a little bit, just enough that you could say platoon him with a Max Muncy. You know, going back to Muncy, it, it's really not hard to draw a straight line from the elbow injury he sustained last October playing first base to what we are seeing from him right now. We knew going into this season that Muncy's ability to drive the baseball with power was going to be a potential trouble spot to watch for. And he just hasn't done it. Not yet. The plate discipline is there. Max Muncy doesn't need to be seeing Major League Pitching every day to give you a quality at bat. He can come in off the bench and do that against the lefty or against the righty when he's well. He's been able to draw walks just fine this year. 
That's one thing he still does well. And he can bunt. <laughs> Did you guys see that? Max Muncy bunted for a single last week. I actually wrote about this in my column this week for the Southern California News Group. I hope you read it. A week ago, Dave Roberts pulled Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, and Gavin Lux aside before that game on Monday against the Diamondbacks. He worked on bunting with all three. Muncy is the only one of the three who actually put it into work, and he put it to work that very night. Dropped a bunt to lead off the sixth inning for a single down the third baseline. The next batter, Chris Taylor, home run. Proved to be a necessary two runs of insurance. Before that game, I asked Muncie about it, and he had some very pointed observations about how bunting for singles does not help guys individually. He didn't say that outright, but he didn't have to. Didn't have to read too far between the lines to get the gist of the message. See, free agents and players in salary arbitration, they get more money for hitting home runs. Bunt singles do not pay the bills. But they can help you win a baseball game if you're good at it. Muncie apparently is. Good on him for embracing it. And I'm not going to spoil the rest of what he says. You go read that column if you have not already. What's interesting to me is that we haven't seen Bellinger or Lux try it. They were both out there working on it with Dave Roberts and Max Muncie. Even though they're both left-handed hitters with plus speed, They are both opting to swing away. Now, neither of them is in as bad of a slump as Max Muncie is, but the third baseline is just as open for those guys as it is for Muncie, and they're both a little faster than he is, so they can beat the bunt out if they choose to go that route. Is it any coincidence that neither of them knows how much money they're making in 2023, and Max Muncie basically does? Because Muncy, remember, he signed a $26 million contract with a team option for 2023. That's more money than Cody Bellinger's guaranteed this year. That's more money than Gavin Lux has made in his entire career. If and when Muncy gets healthy, the Dodgers would be silly not to exercise his option for 2023 at $13 million. Bellinger, meanwhile, he's going to be going into his final year of arbitration. Gavin Lux is a couple years away from going to ARB. I'm not saying those guys specifically aren't dropping bunt singles because they want to get paid. But if you go back and read my column, you'll find that Max Muncy says in so many words that baseball players in general have very little incentive to bunt for singles because it is not how they are rewarded financially. Go check that out. A couple other notes from the last week. We found out who got the second crack at filling Clayton Kershaw's turn in the rotation. And the answer was a lot of dudes. Mitch White started a bullpen game on Saturday, handed it off to David Price. It was starting to look like a long day against the Phillies' best pitcher, but the Dodgers did what they should have done. They got Aaron Nola's pitch count up, they worked into that soft, soft Philadelphia bullpen, and they came back to win. And I think if you look at the week as a whole, seven straight wins, four against the D-backs, almost four, against the Phillies, if you toss out Muncy's error, if Craig Kimbrell's available. That, that's an eight-game winning streak, folks. That's a really good place to be. I think the Dodgers are still in a good place. Let's look ahead. 
They got three games coming up against the Nationals in D.C. They got four in Arizona against the Diamondbacks team that lost four in a row at Dodger Stadium. And then they get three games at home against Pittsburgh. That is 10 straight games against teams that almost certainly will miss the playoffs this season. And then it gets tough. Then you got the Mets. Then you go to the south side of Chicago. Then you go to San Francisco. Then you got a couple back home against the Angels, who are actually healthy this year. Uh, All that's in June, though. And you wonder if Andrew Heaney's going to be back. Looking like he might get back before Clayton Kershaw. Maybe both are back by then. Who knows? Either way, that would be a big boost. In the meantime, I'm going to be keeping an eye on a few things. Specifically on the infield. Does DHing more help Justin Turner to focus on what he needs to at the plate? That could work in theory. I like the experiment. Why not? He's at least hitting the ball for power in May as opposed to April. His walk-to-strikeout ratio is just not what we saw from peak Justin Turner, and it might not get back there, but at least the power is coming around as the ball starts to travel a little bit better. That's been encouraging. I'm looking at Gavin Lux. How does he do as a fielder with a longer runway at second base? Makes sense for the player. Makes sense for the team, given the rest of this roster, how it all fits together. How does Max Muncy do with a longer runway at third base? Remember, he's on the record as saying that third base is not his favorite position to play, at least of those that he has played as a Dodger. A little ironic, given how Sunday's game ended. (laughs) But again, more than that, I'm wondering how much Edwin Rios we start to see at third. Could there be a platoon situation coming? Remember, even though he hits left-handed, Max Muncy is basically platoon neutral for his career. Righty versus lefty. I know this season it's tilted a little bit in favor of righties, but last season he was a better hitter against lefties. And on the whole for his career, it's basically even. Just saying it's an option. See if the R&D department goes for it. A couple random things caught my attention this week. Uh, Did you see what Brent Strom said? Arizona Diamondbacks pitching coach Brent Strom speaking to the Arizona Republic. This is courtesy of Nick Picoro. Nick, if you're listening, go out and update your headshot, man. That's a couple years old. Brent Strom said that Merrill Kelly might have been tipping his pitches against the Dodgers. He allowed eight runs in two innings. Strom said he was, quote, particularly perplexed to see the Dodgers' Trey Turner shoot a single into center field on changeup in the second inning of that game. Strom said, quote, the Dodgers must employ 25 people whose jobs are to help Identify ways to gain small advantages on opposing teams. Continuing, quote, it's not like you're playing the Marlins (laughs) or somebody that maybe don't have the resources, Strom said. Speaking of the Dodgers, he continues, they are exceptional at looking at this kind of stuff. Those are professionals over there. It's hard enough getting them out. They're a good team. It's really difficult if they have an idea on off-speed and fastball. We paid the price for it. You constantly have to take care of your own house and adjust these kind of things. We wonder why the Dodgers have all those 
people in their front office. Well, now we know. They must employ 25 people to help gain small advantages on opposing teams, says Brent Strom. Strom used to work for the Astros, so if 25 (laughs) is where he's setting the over-under, I'm inclined to go with 25. (laughs) Uh, Then there's this one. Michael Horowitz on Twitter tagged me. Shout out to Michael. On a photo of Ted Lilly. Guys, this is a Ted Lilly podcast. Talked about him last week. Highest paid player on the 2012 Dodgers. I don't know if Michael was listening and he knew I had Ted Lilly on my mind, but he saw somebody at Dodger Stadium wearing a Ted Lilly number 29 jersey. And this is this is one of the few silly things that I actually really enjoy engaging with on Twitter is when I see a fan in a jersey of either a player who's not a star or a player who is neither not in baseball, <laughs> like a basketball player, a soccer player, a football player, or is not on one of the teams that's on the field. A player who's just not represented by either franchise, either team in the ballpark. I love those. There's something so fascinating to me about fans who show up to the park with a jersey that just says, I'm not going along with the groupthink on this one. I'm going to rep Ted Lilly today. And I didn't think that this would be controversial. Let me read what I tweeted. You tell me if this is controversial. I wrote, I'm firmly in the can't wear the name of another grown man on my back camp, but I can respect this, referring to the Ted Lilly photo. I didn't think this was a pretty controversial take. It wasn't really a take at all. It was just my thoughts on the idea of wearing jerseys. People did not like this. Oh my goodness. (laughs) This is about the most backlash I got since I dissed a Korean boy band. Another story for another time. Uh, People did not like this. And when people don't like your opinion on Twitter, I always find this funny. They don't like ask you why you believe what you believe. They just sort of yell at you and walk away as if you're not like right there observing this yell into the void. One person, David Young, shout out to David Young from Chubu LA. He bothered to ask me why. And I told him, and I'll tell you right now, I did not grow up wearing the jerseys of professional athletes. I just, I didn't. It wasn't something I did as a kid. It wasn't something anybody in my household did. My parents were not big sports fans. It's not like they held allegiances to the teams in the Bay Area where I grew up and that I inherited those allegiances. No, no, none of that. Nobody in my family went to games wearing jerseys, took me along. It just was not a culture I was exposed to. And so it's a personal choice that I sort of carried with me into adulthood where it just, it seemed weird to me. Now I know I'm in the minority on this. All I have to do is show up at Dodger Stadium, see 50,000 people, at least half, I would say, wearing some kind of team paraphernalia on their back, many with the name of an individual player. No disrespect if that's your thing, like seriously. That tweet, no disrespect intended. It's just a personal choice on my part, but people did not like this. And it kind of devolved into this thing where (laughs) 
some people were asking me, really like testing my limits on this. Like, what limits would you go to? What lengths would you go to? Would you wear a woman's jersey? And and I I mentioned to one person, you know, I, I'd probably wear a Britney Griner jersey as like a political statement. To which this individual responded at Boys in Blue. Shout out to at Boys in Blue. If I tell you Mike Trout was captured by the North Koreans, would you accept a Mike Trout jersey? And on the one hand, it's like, really, is this how we're going to use Twitter to conjure hypothetical Mike Trout scenarios in which he's captured by rogue authoritarian regimes? Um, on the other hand, like, that's a really good question. I don't know. <laughs> that's a great question. I don't know. That that might test my mettle on my principle of, of not wearing the jerseys of individual athletes. That's a tough one. I don't know. Good question, at Boys in Blue. I have to think about that. But whether this ultimately landed, you know, a Dodger fan said, hey, my last name is Smith. Shout out to at Amanda Smith says, she writes, JP, I'm going to get you a jersey that says Smith on the back. You're wearing my name. Deal? You know what? I don't hate it. I said, let's do it. Let's do a meetup at Dodger Stadium. I'll take a pic with the jersey on. As many of you want to show up and be in that picture, I will be there. And I'll post it right here. And I will. We made the deal. So Amanda, I'm waiting. Anytime you want to do this, I'm down. Got to have a sense of humor about it, folks. You cannot take yourselves too seriously. Anyway, I'm looking forward to what should be a successful week for the Dodgers. Got a couple beatable teams on the docket. Thank you for joining me. We'll do this again next time. I mentioned my Twitter. Go out there and follow me at JP Hornstra. If you're an Instagram person, at JP Hornstra on Instagram. If you're a Facebook person, at JP Hornstra. Hit me up with your jersey takes. Give me a follow. Do this again next week. So long. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.